You are listening to Restoring the Branches Ministries. Our mission is to reconnect Yah's people to the root and truth of his word. We have been called to take Yah's healing to the nations, remove the stumbling block out of the way of his people, and teach as well as model the importance of serving the living Elohim in spirit and in truth. We live by Romans 15 and 4, for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And Father, that is our prayer, that we may be able to live a life and where our family, our children may be blessed for thousands of generations, that we do not forget your word, that we remember what you did in Egypt, that we remember that we remember what your son did, and that we remember what you're doing now, that we never forget who you are or the example of your son. Every day, Father, we ask that you usher yourself into our hearts that we may live by your laws, not the laws of this state, this county, this country, not binding ourselves to the agendas of man, but pressing in and allowing you to rule and reign in our lives. So, Father, I pray now that as you use me as but a humble vessel to bring your word to your people, that correction, reproof, rebuke, encouragement, be heard through the words that were written by your prophets, by your apostles, by your son. So I thank you and I praise you. I pray that as your word go forth, that I decrease, that you may increase. In Yeshua HaMashiach's mighty name, amen. amen. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Make sure this works here. I don't know if this, okay. I don't know if this is working out. Ah. Uh, there we go. All right. We good. All right. Yeah. Okay. Shabbat shalom, everybody. <laughs> uh, Shabbat shalom to everybody who's watching. If you are watching, I am not Jeremy Vonner. I am not Kelly Vonner. Uh, my name is Jeremy Yahoo. And um, I always think it is an honor to be able to, uh, get up in front of my local assembly um, and bring forth the message that the Most High um, has given. Uh, I thank the people, the leaders of this house, uh, both, both Jeremy and Kelly Viner, um, who allow people to use their gifts and do not hold them back. So hallelujah for that. Um, today we will be talking about, and it's my fault, I should have got my notes, so I'll be reading along with y'all, but uh, we'll, be, we'll be talking about escaping the sword and surviving the fire. Escaping the sword and surviving the fire. Uh, that should be all of our desires because a sword is coming. You don't want your blood at the end of that thing. And fire is coming. And the word surviving is there is because none of us will be able to escape the fire. But we hope that the works that we do on this earth will not burn up in it and that we will survive through it. Always have this thought in mind. Will my actions, words, and thoughts pass through the fire or be burnt up? 
So whatever you're doing in life, whether you're at home, at work, at school, with friends, with family, when you wake up in the morning, pray to the Most High that every thought that you have, every action that you do, every word that proceeds out of your mouth will be able to pass through the fire and not be burnt up, that it would survive, that you're building something and not tearing something down. Will my actions, words, and thoughts pass through the fire or be burnt up? To turn to 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. I have it up here on the screen for you, though. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm not even there. I thought I was there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. And it reads, wherein ye greatly rejoice through now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Some of us felt those these last 40 days and two. The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, may be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Yahshua, Messiah, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, may be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Yahshua, Messiah. When we think of that word glory, when I think of the word glory, the first thing that always comes to my mind is Moshe coming down from the mountain. He has to veil his face because he has seen and experienced and basked in the glory of Elohim. So he has to cover his face with the veil because he is shining so much. And if we look at real gold, that's kind of small, so I'll read over here. If you look at real gold, are you real gold or counterfeit? Real pure gold, when exposed to the flame, will get brighter after a while as it gets hotter. So the more flame it goes through, the hotter it gets, the brighter real gold gets but it will not darken. Fake gold peaches, such as fool's gold, actually pyrite and iron sulfide, and pieces made of brass, iron or copper alloys will darken or otherwise change color when exposed to fire. I actually had a cool video to show, but I lost it. So uh, it's of a gold brick being put on fire and it's shining. And then somebody burns a Bitcoin and all it does is get darker and the gold burns off of it. The fire exposes your light or your darkness. The fire burns the fake ones, but helps the real ones shine brighter. If you are living as light, you have no reason to fear the fire. If you are dimming your light and living in a way that is not pleasing to Yah, the fire will expose you. The purpose of fire when it comes to gold is to refine it. Because if you go and dig for gold, you're bringing it out of a mine and it's dirty and it's dusty and it has imperfections in it. But the miner or the goldsmith does not mind burning the gold because they know that while it passes through the fire, it will not harm the gold. The only thing the fire will do is burn off its imperfections. We would hope that when we pass through the fire, the only thing burnt off in us is our imperfections and that we not be burnt up completely. The fire will expose you. 
Are you real gold or are you fool's gold? We say all this because every last one of us in this room and everyone in this world, regardless of where they stand today, will be tested. Doesn't matter who you are. Even Yahshua HaMashiach bin Elohim himself was tested. But how do we get ready for this test? In order to get ready for this test, I only have three points for you today. I promise I don't want to be before you long. <laughs> but how do we get ready for this test? We prepare, we produce, and we pursue. We prepare, we produce, and we pursue. Let's set up some things before we get all the way into it. Why should we prepare? We live in a space controlled by time, and that time is running out. I'll say that again. We live in a, in a space controlled by time, and that time is running out. Time is synonymous with the grace of Elohim. So if time is running out, what does that say about his grace? Let's take a look at time real quick. It's very small, too. My eyes are horrible. But we can turn to 2 Peter 3, um, 8 through 18. 2 Peter 3, 8 through 18. And I'll read it off the screen because I like the complete Jewish Bible version. But 2 Peter 3, 8 through 18. It reads, moreover, dear friends, do not ignore this. It's the first thing Peter says about time, and he says, don't ignore it. Pay attention to it. Don't lose track of it. Do not ignore it. Moreover, dear friends, do not ignore this. Don't ignore what? With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Don't ignore that. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some people think of slowness. On the contrary, he is patient with you. For it is not his purpose that anyone should be destroyed, but that everyone should turn from his sin. So we got a lot of crazy folk out here, whether they're in the camps, whether they're in some other fringe part of the messianic movement. And they would say that they can't wait for the day that people get destroyed, that such and such get destroyed, that this tribe get destroyed, that this camp get destroyed, that this assembly get destroyed, that these certain ethnic groups get destroyed. But we know that that is not the spirit of the Most High. That is definitely a spirit of Hasatan because the Lord said he is not slow in keeping his promise, as some may think of slowness. On the contrary, he is patient. And that his purpose is that no one should be destroyed, but that everyone should turn from his sins. What is sin? Sin is violation of Torah. So his purpose is that everyone turn back to Torah. But the problem is we have a choice to make. And some of us choose death. Some of us don't choose his patience. Some of us don't choose his kindness. And some of us can care less about his promise. Um, Shah, can you give me Matthew chapter 22? Matthew chapter 22. We're going to look at some people who decided that when invited into the promise, they didn't want it. Can you look at yourself in the mirror every day and if Yahshua came back and invited you in that you can say, nah, I'm good. Are you that holy as we learned last week to make it in all on your own good graces and righteousness? Matthew 22, if you have it, go ahead and read uh, verses, I believe, one through 14. 
All right. Matthew 22, starting at verse 1. And it says, And Yeshua answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come mm. again. He sent forth other servants saying, tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. and He sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burnt up their city. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. They which were bidden were not worthy. They didn't want to come. They were invited to the wedding. And they chose not to come. Mm. Go ahead. Go ye therefore into the highways and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, friend, how, come, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Time is running out. The wedding invitation has been sent out. Have you responded? Your life is the response to the wedding invitation. Have you rejected that invitation or have you accepted it? Only you can answer that. It says, however, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will melt and disintegrate and the earth and everything in it will be burnt up. Since everything is going to be destroyed like this, what kind of people should you be? You should lead holy and godly lives as you wait for the day of God and work to hasten its coming. That word hasten means to speed up. Brother Shah brought out a few weeks ago how hard that the people of Hasatan are working for his kingdom and how little we actually spend in times of study in the Bible. I believe it was like six minutes, right? Six minutes a week, nine minutes a week. It's even more than six, nine, whatever. Six, nine minutes a week in study time in the word. We're not working hard enough to hasten his coming. Or the question should be, are you working hard enough to hasten his coming, to speed up his coming? Or are you comfortable in your current situation? When you're comfortable in a situation, you have no need for it to change. You're not looking for it to change because you're okay in the house that you bought or the house that you're renting. You're okay with the job you have, with the degree you have, with the friends you have, with the family you have. And you don't, you don't see the calamity, the breaking down of the world around you. You have become comfortable in your current state. Thus, you cannot hasten his return. Because you cool with where you at. You okay with it. 
in this nation, it is very hard for us to want to speed up the return of the most high. Number one, because that means everything that we know as normal will disappear. The world will be destroyed. Some of us with it. But if you look at other countries, if we look at our brothers and sisters in predominantly Muslim countries or uh, Muslim continents as Africa, um, in countries in the Middle East, uh, even you have in Israel, which is, don't believe the hype, it's majority Muslim with a little sprinkle of Roman Catholicism and itty bitty tiny bit of Judaism. And if you're in a place deep in Europe where it's controlled by the Roman Catholic Church, but you want to keep the law, statutes, and commandments of the Most High and believe in Yeshua. That is not a good place for you to be. In this country, everybody right now has the freedom to believe what they want to believe. A lot of countries, it is not like that. If you believe in Yeshua, for instance, and you live in Jerusalem, you're probably hated. You're probably in the slums of the city. If you're in Morocco and name the name of Yahshua, you are probably persecuted for it. Now, I know some of us believe that we want to go through persecution. And I would like to say that, yes, I, you know, fought at my job to have my weekends and all that good stuff. But that's not really persecution. That's just the most high allowing me to be a really good negotiator. Persecution would be if my job said, Mr. Williams, not only can you not have your weekend, but if you mention it again, we will dock you from pay. And if you try to leave because you want to celebrate your religion, we will talk to every company in Memphis, Tennessee and make sure that you never get a job again. That's persecution. That's what some of us face around the world for keeping these laws and believing in Yahshua. Those people are not comfortable. They're ready for the return of the Mashiach. They're probably hastening his return, which is why we hear when we read books um, like uh, Prophetic World when the, the, uh, uh, discovering the black biblical destiny, we see how uh, the people in West Africa who believe in the laws and believe in Yahshua are pressing in and are praying and are fasting and they're seeing the manifestations of, of miracles and people raised from the dead and all this weird stuff going on because they're hastening the return of the Most High. They're ready for him to come back. Are you ready for him to come back? The day will bring on the destruction of the heavens by fire. The elements will melt from the heat. But we, following along with this promise, wait for new heavens and new earths in which righteousness will be at home. Therefore, dear friends, as you look for these things, do everything you can to be found by him without spot or defect and at peace. And think of our Lord's patience as deliverance. His time equals grace. Just as our dear brother Shaul also wrote you, following the wisdom of God gave him. Indeed, he speaks about these things in all of his letters. That's why some people are thrown off by Paul. They didn't understand what he was saying in his letters. They contain some things that are hard to understand. These things which the uninstructed are unstable and, and, and unstable and distorted to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. But you, dear friends, since you know this in advance, guard yourselves so that you will not be led away by the errors of the wicked and fall from your own secure position. What does that mean? Your name's already written in the book. Your name can't be 
written in the book. It was written in the book before time. The only thing that can happen to your name is getting taken out of the book. Don't fall from your own secure position and keep growing in grace and the knowledge of your Lord and deliver Yahshua, the Messiah to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Time equals grace. Heed to the invitation. Look a little bit at time. You have your extra biblical sources. Uh, you can go to Second Edris 1411. Second Edris chapter 14, verses 11. Esther. Second Edris chapter 14, verse 11. Hallelujah, when you get there. All right. So, second address, or Ezra, this is the prophet Ezra. He's speaking to, if you read second address, he's going having this long discourse with an angel. Um, he's trying to get more and more revelation. And every time he comes back to the angel, he says, man, I, I, I want more. How can this stuff be? I want more. How can I understand? And he goes back. He says, hey, fast and rest and then come back and ask some more questions. And he's coming back and asking more questions. Um, Ezra or the angels telling Ezra that the world in verse 11 is divided into 12 parts. And the 10 parts of it are gone already. And half of a tenth part. So he's saying that it's 12 ages or 12 parts in the world. It's all we have. And in Ezra's time, where we at? Where he at? Right there. Boom. So all this stuff has happened. David and Solomon and the temple and independent kingdom conquered by the Babylonians. And Ezra is during the return of Israel. So after the Israel returns from Babylon, after the 70 years of captivity, nine of the 12 ages have already disappeared. They're gone. We have about a, a, a time and a half left for the earth. We are real close to some real crazy stuff happening. So from Ezra's time, about a little bit after 500 BC, we see that Yahshua's time is 500 years later. And then from Yahshua's time to the day, we know it's 2,020 years. Time is running out. His grace is running out. We don't have a lot of time. A new age is coming. So Moray talked about this uh, about a month ago, about the age of the Aquarius. I'm going to try to read it my best. Um, I can read up there, too, but... Um, Yes, please go ahead. <laughs> a common position expressed by many astrologers sees the age of Aquarius as that time when humanity takes control of the earth and its own destiny as its rightful heritage. With the destiny of humanity being the revelation of truth and the expansion of consciousness and that some people will experience mental enlightenment in advance of others and therefore be recognized as the new leaders in the world. So let's stop right there for a second. So now we have, if you've noticed or follow certain things, we have a lot of people in the world who call themselves self-help gurus, um, Counselor, whatever they want to call themselves, people like Ayana Van Zant, who has become a new age guru. 
She's enlightened and she's one of the new leaders of the world. Um, you even have people, unfortunately, in the religious side, your T.D. Jakes and Joel Osteen's and um, these different people who have have come forward as new leaders of enlightenment. Not the scriptures. Not this. because They ain't talking about this enlightenment. They will become the new leaders of the world. They're already becoming the new leaders of the world. You can keep reading. Proponents of medieval astrology suggest that the Pisces world where religion is the opiate of the masses. So that's right now. Will be replaced in the Aquarian age by a, a world ruled by secretive power hungry elites seeking absolute power over others. That knowledge in the Aquarian age will only be valued for its ability to win wars. That knowledge and science will be abused, not industry and trade. And that the Aquarian age will be a dark age in which religion is considered offensive. Are we not close to that now? So you see how the world is getting real close to crazy, and real close to the end. So this age that they're trying to push is almost already here because your religion, if you don't know it by now, it's offensive. They're trying to drown it out. They don't want to hear nothing about the real Yahshua, which is why when we talked about in Torah class today, why is the gospel so watered down? Because a new age is being pushed. It's because somebody out there is fighting harder for their Elohim than we are in here. Keep reading. Last paragraph. Another view suggests that the rise of scientific rationalism combined with the fall of religious influence, the increasing focus on human rights since 1780s, the exponential growth of technology, plus the advent of flight and space travel are evidence of the dawning of the age of Aquarius. So when we're marching and we're talking about Black Lives Matter and we want um, uh, civil rights bills, voting rights bills. We want women's suffrage and we want uh, you know, social justice for this group and for that group and this group and that group. We're no longer fighting for the kingdom of Elohim. We are fighting for the kingdom of man. We are saying that we do not want the world to be set up in a way where Elohim rules and his word rules, but we want a world set up where we rule the earth, where my opinions, my agenda, and my lifestyle is accepted, even if it's contrary to this word. That's the age that is being pushed. Those are the people out there that are working real hard for that stuff to happen. So when we see a Jacob Blake get shot in the back seven times, then we witness a young man come up from Illinois and shoot two people in the crowd and walk away. And we wonder why? Why would they even show stuff like that? They're pushing an age. Truth be told, and people don't like this word because it's all kooky and they made it weird, but the energy that is pushed in all of those marches on all of social media is helping them to get to their agenda. So when you participate in that, you're not participating in the, the age of Elohim and the kingdom of Elohim or the kingdom of heaven. You're participating in the age they're trying to push. That's how deep in this we are. And we have allowed these same people to creep into the religious sectors. 
people who say they believe the book, but have political pundits on their podiums between August and November. But they believe in this book. They have uh, activists for gay rights on a podium who believe in this book. They're not about the age of the most high. They're about that age. A new age is coming. I don't know why I wrote all this stuff small. God be the glory. But it's okay. I'll read it from up here. Would the Bible agree? So all you can turn to Daniel 8. Daniel chapter 8. We'll look at, excuse me. We'll look at what Daniel said. Daniel chapter 8. Verses 11 through 14. Um, Aaron, do you have a mic? I don't know who all has a mic. You mind reading Daniel chapter 8, verses 11 through 14 for me, sir? Daniel chapter 8, verses 11 through 14. Daniel chapter 8, verses 11 through 14. It even exalted itself as high as the prince of hosts, the prince of the hosts. And it took that which is continually away from him and threw down the foundation of his set-apart place. And because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose that which is continual. And it threw the truth down to the ground, and it acted as prospered. Then I heard a certain set apart from speaking, and another set apart from said to that certain one who was speaking, Till when is the vision concerning that which is continual, and the transgression that lays waste, to make both the set apart place and the host to be trampled under the foot? And he said to me, For two thousand. 300 nights, then that which is set apart shall be made right. So Daniel here is talking about the the desolation, the abomination of desolation. And we saw this, if you know history or read the second Maccabees, it's recorded in history. Uh, history points us directly to the person of Antiochus, uh, the fourth Epiphanes as the only possible fulfillment of this prophecy. We'll see further how that's not exactly true. But Antiochus ruled uh, Syria from 17, from 175 to 164 BC. But centuries before his rise, Daniel predicted a period of widespread destruction at the hands of the Seleucid king. As Antiochus fought for territory with the Ptolemies of Egypt, his forces inevitably pushed south toward the land of Israel. In time, the king subjugated the small land of the Jews without much difficulty. In defiance of their religious beliefs, Antiochus also desecrated the temple in Jerusalem by offering a pig as a sacrifice. I want you all to remember that. That's very important. He offered a pig as a sacrifice. He then set up an altar to Jupiter right in the holy place and condemned the people to uh, commit. Sorry. Condemned. Is that right? Yes. The people to eat pork, which was unclean in every Jewish to every Jewish believer. This was what Jesus was referring to when he mentioned the term abomination of desolation. Antiochus had set up a pagan altar right in the Jewish temple and sacrificed to his gods, not to the one true God. 
He also outlawed the Torah, the Jewish sacrifices, the following of any holy day observance as prescribed by Moses. Does that not sound like what we just heard back here? Another view suggests that the rise of scientific rationalism combined with the fall of religious influence, the increasing focus of human rights since the uh, 1780s, and the exponential growth of technology, plus the advent of flight and space travel are evidence of the dawning of the age. And up here we talk about how your religion will be considered offensive. He outlawed the Torah, the Jewish sacrifices, and the following of any holy day observance and prescribed by, prescribed by Moses. This was the abomination that had made the temple and the land desolate from a spiritual perspective. Every person listening to Yeshua, when he uh, predicted that another abomination of desolation would occur in the last days, knew immediately what he was talking about. So Yeshua predicted another um, abomination of desolation in the last days. I believe that's, um, I, don't, I don't know if I got that or not. Yes, I did. Good job, me. Will this happen again? Go to Matthew 24, 15 through 21. 24, 15 through 21. Shad, can you read for me Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 through 21, please? Matthew 24, um, starting at verse 15. And it says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, either on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, um, to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So Yeshua has predicted that what happened in the Maccabean period will indeed happen again. So remember what happened during the Maccabean times in 1 Maccabees 1, 41 through 47. Um, I'll read that for you real quick. 1 Maccabees 1, 41 through 47. It says, Moreover, King Antiochus wrote to his whole kingdom that all should be one people and everyone should leave his laws. So all the heathen agreed according to the commandment of the king. Yea, many also of the Israelites consent, consented to his religion and sacrificed unto idols and profaned the Sabbath. For the king had sent letters by messengers unto Jerusalem and the cities of Judea that they should follow the strange laws of the land and forbid burnt offerings and sacrifices and drink offerings in the temple and that they should profane the Sabbath and festival days and pollute the sanctuary and holy place, set up altars and groves and chapels of idols and sacrifice swine's flesh and unclean beast. So remember, Daniel predicted it. It happened in the Maccabees. Yahshua said it will happen again. Could you imagine a pig being sacrificed in a temple again today? Somebody went to Jerusalem right now today, walked into a temple, threw a pig on the altar, set it on fire. 
we probably hear about on every national news. It will start a, inevitably start a war, first of all. So we think. Let's look at it. This is a Newsweek article. Look at the date. 3-22-18, March 2018. So this is, it ain't long ago. Again, we are real close to crazy. So he said, Daniel said, I see this. Antiochus fulfilled it. Yahshua said, it's going to happen again. In order for it to happen again, we need a pig. Somehow or another, we need it to be okay again to sacrifice a pig. You won't believe this. Israeli rabbi says eating cloned pork is kosher. Genetic engineering would prevent animal suffering. So he cares about the poor little animals. Prominent, key word there, he's not some kook. Prominent Israeli rabbi Yuval Cherlo says meat from a cloned pig would be considered kosher under Jewish dietary laws. Cherlo, who is a leading scholar, leading scholar on modern interpretations of Kashrut, which is your Leviticus 11, is advocating for rabbinic approval of cloned meats in order to reduce animal suffering, decrease meat industry pollution, and stamp out starvation. Rabbi Cherlo makes the case that, trans, uh, that transgenic or cloned meat would not be subject to the same kashrut dietary laws that guide what is kosher or fit for consumption by Jews. Cholo argues that under the halakhic system, which means the laws, when a pig cell is used and food is produced from the genetic material, the cell actually loses its original identity. So it's not a pig anymore. And therefore, it can be defined as prohibited food nor can it be eaten as meat. Cherlo says that because meat grown from cells in a lab would have lost its identity, observant Jews would also be able to eat it alongside dairy products. Because we know that observant Jews do not eat meat and dairy beside one another. Keep going. Cholo heads the ethnic department of the Tozar Rabbinic Council and is a member of the Israeli Ministry of Health um, Ethnics Committee, which decides the government's budget for new pharmaceuticals in the country. This man's ahead of the pharmaceutical wing of Israel. He got power. The leading halakhic authorities permitted eating gelatin from other origins, claiming that in process of production, it loses its flavor, it's not edible, therefore it's no longer considered edible, and there is no halakhic prohibition against eating it. Rabbi Mekin Genak CEO of the Orthodox Union Kosher Division. So if you go into your stores and you see uh, some foods that have a U and with the O around it, that's that organization. CEO of the Orthodox Union Kosher Division allowed for meat from a lab-grown hamburger to be eaten and used in tandem with dietary products in 2013. The reason why that is important because, as, like I said, observant Jews do not eat their meat and their dairy together. They don't do it. So the fact that he was able to go to a lab, produce a hamburger, and they can put some cheese on it is a huge deal. The big part of this is that they no longer consider a cloned pig unclean. So now this opens up the door for an unclean animal to be sacrificed in a temple. So we have an animal. Oh, let's, 
defined clone, by the way, don't forget that, an organism or cell or group of organisms or cells produced asexually from an ancestor or stock to which they are genetically identical. Where does he say that? When pig cells used in food is produced from the genetic material, the cell actually loses its original identity. They are genetically identical. A cloned pig is just as unclean as the pig it was cloned from. All right. But they have already opened the door for pork to be kosher and clean in Jerusalem. So you got your pig. Do we have a temple? Yeshua said this will happen again. Is there a temple in a hole in the wall in Jerusalem today? Let's go to Ezekiel 8. Ezekiel 8, 7 through 12. <coughs> Jeremiah, would you mind reading that for me, getting that for me, brother? Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 7 through 12. Ezekiel saw something. He saw something in a hole in a wall. Let's see what he saw. I'm just trying to set up how close to crazy we really are. Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 7 through 12. Ezekiel 8, 7 to 12. And he bought... And he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked up, behold, I saw the hole in the wall. You saw what? Hole in the wall. Okay. Then he said unto me, son of Adam, dig now I the wall. And when I had dug, dug in the wall, behold, dug in the wall. Dug in the wall, okay. Behold a door. And he said unto me, go in. And behold, at the wicked abominations that they do here. So I just went and I in and saw, behold, every form of creeping thing, an abominable beast, <laughs> and all the idols of the door of Yeshurel portrayed upon the wall round about. And there should be before me seven, 70 men of the ancients of the house of Yeshurel. And in the midst of them stood Yazan Yahu knew the son of Shaphanah with every man in the censer in his hand and thick cloud of incense went up and then he says to me son of Adam have you seen what the ancients of the house of Yisrael do in the dark every man in the chambers and in an imaginary imagery for they say, Yahuwah sees us not. Yahuwah has forsaken the earth, the earth. So Yah then took too long to come back. So they then built a temple. This is a real picture, by the way. This ain't fake. They then built the temple. Ezekiel saw they built the temple in the walls. And dug a hole, built the temple. And they said, if we do some unclean stuff down here, Ain't nobody going to see it. How many people did he say was sitting there? 70? 70. Okay. We can play this video real quick. So first of all, this is, these other people I don't really know, but who's very important is, this is our Secretary of State, Pompeo, 
This is very recent. He's the current Secretary of State. And this is King Benny, the, the, the Prime Minister, ben, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, currently Prime Minister of Israel. So the person who leads all foreign policy in America, and he's kicking it with the person we give most our money to. Go ahead, please. And remember what Ezekiel said he saw. And listen to the man who's doing this video. have Mike Pompeo visiting the synagogue we have shown you. I will put a link in the description if you will show you our um, understanding of this synagogue as it relates to Ezekiel chapter 8. And he's on tour at the Western Wall and at this synagogue and at this podium. And this is the synagogue of the Sanhedrin Council and we have Mike Pompeo visiting. Okay, We have the pomegranate in the back the Hanukkah there to the left, Benjamin Netanyahu, Mike Pompeo at the podium, at the center. Now, as we look here, we have plans right here. What you're looking at is plans for the third temple. Now, when you have the temple, it's more than one building. The first thing you have is the Sanhedrin Council must meet. So they built a synagogue with a precise number of chairs of 70 elders. Okay, so they're bringing Mike Pompeo into this 70 elder council. And now they're showing him the plans for the third temple. Okay, see it right there. Now what we're looking at is the plans for the third temple on the temple mount. But before that can happen... You have to have a synagogue for the Sanhedrin Council to begin. So they're showing them the third temple plans, but part of the temple is already built. Part of the temple complex, one of those facilities and buildings, is this synagogue. Okay, here we have the plans. Now we're also it's behind a hole in the wall. Some tours and things in the Western Wall. Some of these places we have shown you. So they're inside in the Western tours. Wall. That's where the synagogue is. Okay, we have temple vessels being shown. Preparations for the third temple. And now here we are. We'll, uh, okay, we can pause it. So I'll keep on talking about. <clears throat> he's going to keep talking about what they're signing and. The reason for what they're signing, what I wanted y'all to see was that they have part of a temple behind a hole in the wall. They got 70 seats. They're pushing for pork to be kosher. Real close to crazy. So how do we prepare? So that was why do we need to prepare? Why do we need to prepare? Because we real close to crazy. How do we prepare? We have to be watchful. Definition of watchful, watching or observing someone or something closely alert and vigilant. Um, Shai, can you give me 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 through 21, please? Thank you. 
Second Timothy two, starting at fifteen, mm-hmm. and it says, "Study to show thyself approved." Do what now? Study to show thyself approved. So, in order to study, studying someone, we're watching, observing someone, or something closely. We're being watchful. Keep going. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm-hmm. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase into unto more ungodliness. Yes. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, mm-hmm. uh, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already. And overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal, and the Lord knoweth them that are his. And, and let everyone that nameth the name of Mashiach depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. Some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So Second Timothy here is saying that we need to study to be watchful, because if we don't, we'll be like Hymenius and Fetus. I can't pronounce that. Fetus, who said that the the rapture or the 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 resurrection, not the rapture. The resurrection has already come. It's over with. Y'all, y'all can just chill. Live any kind of way we want to. Straight. We made it. Because they weren't being watchful. They weren't studying. Um, I put that up there. I did put it up there. It's all good. Increase in your knowledge of him. So in order to prepare, we need to be watchful. In order to be watchful, we need to be studying. In studying, we need to increase in the knowledge of him. Um, Aaron, can you give me Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, sir? Just I want to be read out loud. I know it's up there. To walk worthily of the master, pleasing all, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of Elohim. So we should be increasing in knowledge. Can you say that you are increasing in the knowledge of Elohim? These are the only ways in which we can prepare ourselves for what is coming. Because pretty soon... Everybody's going to say, hey, those people over there in Jerusalem said y'all can eat pork chops again. Hey, those people in Jerusalem are sacrificing pigs. Hey, these people are doing that. And these people are doing this. And they're saying that your word is insignificant. It's offensive. And we're moving on to the sciences and we're moving on to the, the rights of man, the time of man. But as long as you keep in this. You will not fall. You will not falter. You will not go to the left or to the right, but you will stay on the narrow road that leads to life and away from the broad road that leads to destruction. Are you increasing in your knowledge of him? This is why this fast was so important. And this is why it was so good, because now we can put away the things I'm, I'm because I'm bored. I just eat. Well, there ain't too much for me to eat. So now 
I ain't got no choice but to get in the scriptures. When I'm bored, I'm scrolling through Instagram. I'm scrolling through Twitter, seeing what's going on. I want to see the first count, the first hand accounts of everything. I can't do that. So what do I have more time for? The scriptures. So this fast should be a template of what we should be doing in our lives going forward. So now that you're allowed to get back on social media, you're allowed to eat what you want to eat. The question will be, will you revert back to the old way or will you continue into the path, the glorious path? As we've all seen, prayers been answered, stuff been happening in our jobs, and our lives and our families. Will we keep on that way? Yeah. Or as we mentioned way back when, are we just a little bit too comfortable? And want to go back to what we were doing before the fast, yeah. where we cannot increase in his knowledge. Thus, we will be uh, 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 tattered to and fro by any strange doctrine. So when the stuff does hit the fan, we'll be with everybody else. Yeah. Just like and, and don't think that we're absolved, because as we read in Maccabees, it was not the irreligious people necessarily who had to convince the Israelites to go against Torah. Yeah. They consented on their own. They sacrificed unclean animals on their own. It was the Maccabees who saw the priest, Aaron's boy, go into the temple and sacrifice unclean stuff. The priest. So now it took a normal citizen and this is where we have to be strong. There are going to be some in leadership, even in the way who decide that I want to be part of the age of Aquarius because God taking too long to come back. So I'm going to consent to that way. When the leaders error, will we be like the Maccabees and be ready to shove somebody through? You ain't bringing that in my temple. You're not bringing that doctrine in our assembly. You're not polluting our people with that stuff. Are we ready for that? Because it's coming. Matter of fact, it's already here. There's plenty of crazy folk out there in assemblies and camps alike teaching some crazy, crazy stuff. Are we ready to be like a Maccabee and defend the law and our families? as they say they did. Study, be watchful, increase in the knowledge of him. How do we prepare? Number one, we must be watchful. Number two, we have to be holy. One thing that, that they got right when I was raised in the Koja church was holiness. Holiness, 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 holiness. Now their interpretation of holiness was a little bit off, but at least they pointed you to holiness. All right? Holiness. First Peter 1, 13 through 16 says, therefore, get your minds ready for work. Keep yourselves under control. Fix your hopes fully on the gift you will receive when Yahshua the Messiah is revealed. As people who obey God, do not let yourselves be shaped by the evil desires you used to have when you were still ignorant. Two weeks ago, I was ignorant about a lot of stuff about myself. <laughs> These last 40 days plus two, been revealed a bunch of foolish stuff about myself. Let's not go back to that way. On the contrary, 
following the Holy One who called you. Become holy yourselves in your entire way of life. Become holy yourselves in your entire way of life. That means everything. The definition in Greek for entire is entire. Everything. Everything. So that means my speech. That means who I hang around. That means what I'm saying on social media. That means what I'm eating. That means what I'm wearing. That means what organizations or agendas I'm attaching myself to. Holiness means separate. So he's saying be separate in every entire way of life. What I say must sound different from what my coworkers are talking about around the water cooler. I can't laugh at the perverse jokes. I either walk away or correct them. What I'm wearing must look different from everybody else in my neighborhood. I can't walk around in, you know, uh, tight pants with a muscle shirt on. That's enticing people. Ladies, we can't walk around showing all our flesh in modesty. You have to be separate in every single way of life. When we get around our families and family reunions, I know it's so this is very hard and we want to we get tempted to laugh and to say this and to say that. When you go to your family reunions, they should look at you and be like, dog, go on it, shot. You what, what's wrong with you? What happened to you? You used to be fun. You used to like hanging out with you. What happened? You're separate. You are holy in your entire way of life, which means somebody should look at all each and every one of us, including me, and say there is something different about that person. They should be able to spend a week at your house, then go spend a week at anybody else's house, religious or irreligious, and say, whoo, something different about that house. Something different about them people. They ain't like these other people. Become holy yourselves in your entire way of life. Why? Since the Tanakh says, you are to be holy because I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. Again, I don't know why I did all this stuff so small, because I know I can't see. But holy, in the Greek, hagios, saints, means, first of all, 161 times is holy, 61 times is saints. Think about saints, what do we think about? We think about revelations. Here's the patience of the saints. Those who keep the commandments and the witness of Yahshua. You're holy. You're set apart. Most holy thing, a saint. Uh, where is it at? You are to be sacred, physically pure, morally blameless or religious, ceremonially consecrated. Most holy one, holy thing. Important thing here, physically pure, morally blameless, ceremonially consecrated. Physically pure, morally blameless, ceremonially consecrated. Blameless. Can we be blameless? Um, Aaron, can you give me Colossians 1, 20 through 29? Colossians chapter 1, verses 20 through 29. 
Colossians 1, 20 through 29, and through him to completely restore to favor unto all, all unto himself, whether on earth or in the heavens, having made peace through the blood of his stake. And you who once were estranged and enemies in the mind by wicked works, but now he has completely restored to favor in the body of his flesh through death to present you set apart and blameless and unreprovable before him. To present you what? Set apart. And what else? Blameless. Okay. If indeed you continue in the belief, founded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the expectation of the good news which you heard, which was proclaimed to every creature under the heaven of which I, Shaul, became a servant, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in Messiah's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the assembly of which I became a servant according to the administration of Elohim, which was given to me for you to fill the word of Elohim, the secret which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his set apart ones to whom Elohim desired to make known what are the riches of the esteem of this secret among the nations, which is Messiah in you, the expectancy of esteem, whom we announce warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom in order to present every man perfect in Messiah Yeshua, for which I also labor, striving according to the work of him who works in me in power. So the key verses there are 22 and 28 in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and, un and unreprovable in his sight. 28 said, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that he may present um, every man perfect in Yeshua HaMashiach. Shai, can you give me Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 4, please? Ephesians 1, 3 through 4. Ephesians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the Elohim and, um, and the Father of our Master Yeshua HaMashiach, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Mashiach, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We should be what now? We should be holy and without blame before him in love. So the standard is holiness and blameless. But it's told to us that it cannot be accomplished. So the question would be, can we actually accomplish holiness, true set apartness and being blameless? So when we're presented to the most high through Yeshua, his bride, that he will look at you and say, you are clean. Come in. Can we do it? Let's go to Deuteronomy 30. I think I talked about this earlier. Apologize for whoever has this uh, Torah portion later. Deuteronomy 30, uh, 10 through 14. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> Deuteronomy 30, 10 through 14. Deuteronomy 10, 30, chapter 10, chapter 30, verses 10 through 14. If you have it, say Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to wait for a little more people to take. All right, you got, all right. Deuteronomy 30, 10 through 14, and it reads, 
If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of Yah thy Elohim to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law, and if thou turn unto Yah thy Elohim with all thine heart and with all thine soul, for this commandment which I command you thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee. It's close to you. It's in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee in your mouth, in your heart, that thou mayest do it. So even Moshe through the most high said, listen, this thing is not unattainable. Very possible. Matter of fact, I made it kind of easy for you because I put it right in front of you. I put it in your mouth, put it on your heart so that you can do it. Meaning you can speak it, somebody's speaking it to you so you can hear it. And I even have given you the desire to want to do it. It's up to you to refuse that desire. So if you can't do it, it's not because it's hard. It's not because it's a far off. It's not because, oh, well, this other country and these other cultures don't understand and they don't have all, all that's BS. It's close to you. Somebody's speaking it to you. He gave you a desire to want to do it. So if you no longer have that desire, you have chosen to reject his inclination that he has given you. So that was the children of Israel. Oh, they messed up. See, look, they couldn't do it. Let's go to Luke chapter one. Let's go to Luke chapter one. Maybe outside of Yahshua, maybe my favorite people in the whole Brit Hadashah. John the Baptist's parents. I love you, mama, but John the Baptist's parents was cold. Which they was my parents. No, I'm playing. <laughs> Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. We have to say hallelujah. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So these were Levites. And they were both righteous before Elohim, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the master, blameless. So we didn't walk through all everything from everything from 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 Yah rescuing them from Egypt, them messing up over and over and over again, kicked out, kicked out, kicked out, kicked out, saved, redeemed, messed up, kicked out, kicked out, saved, redeemed. Now we get all the way to the Brit Hadashah thousands of years later, and there's still a righteous remnant being holy and blameless. It says that before Elohim, they were considered righteous. 
So we looked at what blameless is. It seems like a hard task, but we see Yah say, I gave it to you in your heart. I gave you prophets and preachers to speak for it. And look, I still have a remnant who continues to be blameless and righteous before me. So Zechariah and his wife can be blameless and righteous. Why can't we? We always attribute that to, oh, well, Yahshua never messed up because he was divine. Was Zechariah? Was he divine? Right. Was Elizabeth divine? Right. Were they, are they the, Elo, the, the, the sons and the daughters of Elohim? And we can go on down a little. We talked about uh, Noah and a couple other people. Asked, Were they divine? If you read the prayer of Manasseh, King Manasseh says, listen, I messed up. Yeah. I sinned. You're supposed to listen to me and give me repentance because I sinned. But Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they don't get repentance. Why? Because they never sinned. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are they divine? They are not. They are human beings with blood flowing through their veins just like we have. Guess what? They lived and died just like we are living and will die. But guess what they also were? Blameless, righteous, holy. Be holy for I am holy for it is written. So these are some of the times. So when we say it is written, that means somewhere in the Tanakh, somebody said the same thing. That's why you see it over and over and over repeated in the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament. For it is written, for it is written, for it is written. Because the only book they had to teach out of was, in fact, you guessed it, the Tanakh. So. It is written, Leviticus 11, 44 through 45, for I am Yah, your Elohim. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, be holy because I am holy. Yes. You must not defile yourselves by any creatures that crawl along the ground. For I am Yah who brought you up out of the land of Egypt so that I will be your Elohim. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Leviticus 19 and 2. Speak to the entire congregation of the Israelites and tell them, be holy because I, Yah, your Elohim, am holy. Leviticus 27. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy because I, Yah, your Elohim, am holy. I am your God. Isaiah 34, 8. And there will be a highway called the way of holiness. The unclean will not travel it. Only those who walk in that way. Yeah. So Isaiah already knew something about that way before that way came about. That way and fools will not and fools will not stray unto it. In every aspect of life, we have to be separate. We have to be holy. This is the standard. And he will never let the bar down. So if you can't do this, you can't have the kingdom of heaven. And as we get into it further, it's not only can you can't have the kingdom of heaven, but if you can't find yourself to be holy, set apart, separate, blameless, you cannot have the kingdom of God either. We'll get in that pretty soon. How to be holy. You must be filled. Right. With the Holy Spirit. In order to be set apart, you must have a set apart spirit. I, th I mean, it's, uh, it's that simple. People try to try to theorize it and make it big. And you got to have a doctorate degree to break this stuff down and explain it. Real simple. 
In order to be set apart, something has to make you set apart. And that's the spirit that should be inside of you. Let's go to Luke 11, 9 to 13. Luke 11, 9 to 13. Hallelujah, whenever you get there. Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. Luke chapter 11, 9 through 13 reads as such. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So right off of the back, if we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're seeing that you need to work to get it. You cannot just sit in your house and it fall upon you like osmosis. There's some action in what you need to do to get it. You need to press in to get the set apart spirit so that you can be blameless, holy, and set apart. Knock, seek. It should be open to you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. To him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will, uh, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, good gifts, unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? So everybody who's trying to preach this and, you know, ask, seek and knock and he will give to you and it will be overflowing and pressing down, shaking together and runneth over and ooh wee. He's not talking about a new Mercedes. He's not talking about a mortgage. He's not, and God forbid that you're bearing, but he ain't talking about kids. He ain't talking about family. He ain't talking about nothing that is carnal. He is saying, if you ask, if you knock, if you seek, if you press in, if you have the desire that I put in your heart back in Deuteronomy 30, if you have that attitude, I will fill you with my spirit. So now there can be no excuse. I'm going to help you be holy, blameless, and set apart. You ain't on your own. You ain't got to do this by yourself. You ain't got to figure all this out. Press in, ask, seek, knock. I'll give it to you. Why'd you quit asking? Why'd you quit seeking? Why'd you quit knocking? It's behind the door. Ask for it. Where is it at? Seek for it. I can't see it. I found the door. Knock on the door. He said he'll open it up and give it to you. All right, now. Yeah. We got to ask. We got to knock. We got to seek. There's responsibility on your end to be holy, blameless, and set apart. We have to be prepared because just like I showed you, we are real close to crazy. We almost there. And we talk about, I always said, man, my grandchildren going to be in a, man, forget my grandchildren. I'm going to be living in some crazy world coming here real soon. If the most high allows me to see another day. Let's go to Acts 19. Acts 19. Acts 
Acts 19, verses 1 through 7. Hallelujah, whenever you get there. Acts 19, verses 1 through 7 reads as such. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coats, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So there are people who have believed on Messiah Yeshua and believe and follow the commandments, but are not yet filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, since you believe? And they said unto him, we have not, we have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. <laughs> and he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? Because Paul, like, well, if you weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit, what'd you get baptized in then? And then he said, Unto John's baptism. And then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should be believe on him which should come after him, that is on Yeshua HaMashiach. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the master, Yeshua. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about 12. So now we see some other men. Someone asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They asked about this Holy Spirit to try to get some understanding we see them seeking in here. We see a little bit of knocking in here because Paul, obviously his track record is, hey, if you ain't rocking with me, I'm going to push forward. But obviously these men wanted to know more. So he was able to baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Now these 12 men hopefully continue to live a life that was holy and blameless before Yah. We have to be holy. What does the Holy Spirit do? Man, I love these small fonts. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is a helper, and you can write these um, verses down and go home study. Um, I really mean that. Go home and read, as we talked about this morning. The Holy Spirit is a helper who teaches and reminds. John 14, 26. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. John 16, 7 through 8. The Holy Spirit dwells in believers and fills them. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, and 16, the Holy Spirit is a source of revelation, wisdom, and power. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11, the Holy Spirit guides to all truth, including knowledge of what is to come. John 16, 3 through 15, that's why it's so important that we have the Holy Spirit, because without the Holy Spirit, we cannot be watchful. Yes. The first bullet point of preparing yourself. You don't know what's coming if you're not set apart. Then the Holy Spirit is the only thing that can set you apart. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to believers. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. The Holy Spirit is a seal in the lives of believers. Ephesians 1, 13. The Holy Spirit helps you in weakness and intercedes for you. You are not alone. Yes. Romans 8, 26 through 27. The Holy Spirit makes believers new and gives them eternal life. Why? Because now I can be presented whole blameless and set apart before Yah. Romans 8, 10 through 11, the Holy Spirit sanctifies and enables believers to bear good fruit in their lives. And we'll get to that later. Galatians 5, 22 through 25. How to be holy. So as we read before in that Newsweek 
we have some observant Jews on one side who follow what's called Kashrut. Kashrut is a way that the sages interpreted Leviticus chapter 11. And they said, according to Leviticus chapter 11, this is what you can eat. This is what you can eat. This is what this looks like. And Kashrut goes a little bit further because it said, well, not only can we not eat these things, but in order to even eat clean meat, must be a rabbi present. He must have a special knife. He must cut the juggler in a certain way. There are certain things that you cannot mix like beef and dairy. But when we talk about Leviticus 11, we're not talking about cash root. We are talking about Kodesh. We are being set apart. There are some set apart foods. So he's telling you to be set apart and he's making it real easy for you. He's even setting things apart for you. You ain't got to guess. <laughs> Kodesh, what does it mean? Down here, um, sacred, ceremonially or morally. Does that sound familiar? A noun, God by uh, immense, an angel, a saint, sanctuary, holy one, set apart. So we are to live a life that is Kodesh, Hallelujah. holy and set apart. What does set apart looks like? About to do a lot of reading. Shad, can you give me Romans 12, 2? Aaron, can you give me 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18? Um, Kelly, you still got a mic? I do not, but I can make it. Oh, okay. Well, whoever got a mic, it doesn't matter. Jeremiah, can you give me Acts 2, 40? Um, Bishop, can you give me Jeremiah 51, <laughs> verse 6, then go through 45, 7? I'll get um, Revelations and Ephesians. Romans 12 and 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, that acceptable, perfect will of Elohim. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Do not become unevenly yoked with unbelievers. Mm. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? And what agreement has Messiah with Belial? Or what part does a believer have with an unbeliever? And what union has the dwelling place of Elohim with idols? For you are a dwelling place of the living Elohim. As Elohim has said, I shall dwell in them and walk among them, and I shall be their Elohim, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and yes. be separate, says Yah, and do not touch what is unclean, and I shall receive you, and I shall be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says Yahuwah the Almighty. Before we get to Acts chapter 2, verses 40, where in that, where in that passage did it say anything about marriage? It didn't. It didn't. It's not talking about being unequally yoked with a marriage partner. It is talking about, as Peter said, being unequally yoked in any facet of life. So if I join myself, so the picture of a yoke is when they put two oxen together and they were going through a field and they both went in the same direction. So the strong ox would take the weak ox because they were together. They were yoked. They were in one union together. They had to be going in the exact same direction, linked together. Yes, that includes relationships, but that includes every facet of life. So we talked about different things in this in this environment again. Black Lives Matter. What are you linking yourself to? What are you agreeing with? What are you yoking yourself 
two. We're talking about political groups now. The, the Democratic Party and Republican Party just made their push for you to go vote for them. Are you linked up with the Democratic Party that advocates for homosexuality, killing of little babies, abortions? Are you linked to a Republican Party that advocates secret societies, uh, 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 rampant racism, poverty on purpose, everything, slavery, kidnapping, everything that's against Torah? Are you linked to these things? Are you yoked to these things? Every facet of your life, you cannot be unequally yoked. If it does not agree with this thing right here, from Genesis to Revelations, and yes, everything in between, Second Edgeris, Syrac, Judith, Tobit, all them too, if it don't agree with them, you cannot be attached to it. Now, we understand that everybody has to have a job. Again, I work for one of the most godless companies in the world. And they don't care that they're godless. They're happy that they're godless. But guess what I don't do? When they're blowing up my email and saying, oh, Jeremy, come join us on the Zoom call with the Black Employee Network so we can talk to this, uh, this, this, this woman that has an alternative life about how she had the courage to come out. I'm not joining that. Jeremy, we're doing um, we're, we're, we're doing some community service with Pride Week. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're in the poor communities in Memphis, but I can't help you out. I can't put that shirt on. I know what that rainbow really means, but I can't put that shirt on. But I can't do it. Oh, Jeremy, guess what, man? I'm, we're, 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 going out to, we're going out to eat after work, man. We just wish that you would join us. And I can't do it. I'm separate from you in every facet of my life. So if it looks like, oh, you're being holier than thou. Oh, you acting different. Guess what? I am. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to be holy, set apart, blameless. And I can't do that if I'm attaching myself to different agendas, different political groups, different activists who disagree with this book. Can't be done. Impossible. Acts 2, 40. I don't know who I told to read that. But please read Jeremiah. Matasim, Acts 2, 40. And with many words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this preserved nation. Save yourself from this perverse nation. If the nations were perverse in the time, who said that, Peter? If it was perverse then, what do you think it is now? They had to walk outside of their houses, go to some weird building, see all kind of foolishness, and it was permissible for them to join in. I ain't got to leave my house. I got to... Save yourself from this perverse nation. If you need to put blocks on this thing, put it on there. You don't need certain subscriptions on this thing, don't do it. You don't need to have certain conversations with certain people, don't be there. You don't need to be hanging around certain people, don't hang around them because their spirit ain't right, their energy ain't right. Whatever you want to call it, Save yourself from this perverse nation. So if he's asking you to save yourself, there must be a way that you can do it. Be holy, be separate, be blameless. Jeremiah 51, read verse 6, and then read verses 45 through 47. 
<clears throat> Yermiyahu 51 and 6. Flee out the midst of Babylon. Flee what? Flee out the midst of Babylon. Uh-huh. And deliver every man his soul. Mm. Be not cut off in her iniquity. Mm. For this is the time of Yah's vengeance. And he will render unto her a recompense. So Yahshua said, like the times of Noah. This we talked about today in, in, in Torah. The times of Noah, I'm going to return. His vengeance is coming with him. Flee from Babylon. We are in a system of Babylon, if you didn't realize it. We are. It's here. Oof. The system is here. Yep. The new age is coming. Yep. We're in Babylon. Yep. It said flee so that you will not get destroyed with Babylon. Revelations 18, 1 through 5 says after. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I know you want to go. I'm sorry. Yermiyahu 40, uh, 51 and 45. My people go ye out of the midst of her and deliver ye every man his soul from the fierce anger of Yah. And least your heart faint, and ye fear for the rumor that shall be heard in the land. A rumor shall both come one year, and after that in another year shall come a rumor, and violence in the land, ruler against ruler. Therefore, behold the days that come, that I will do judgment upon the graven images of Babylon, and her whole land shall be confounded, and all her slain shall fall in the midst of her. He going to wreck shop, tear up some stuff because people decided they didn't want to be holy, blameless and set apart. Some would say, well, Jeremiah, he was talking about Babylon. That already happened. All right. Revelations 18, one through five. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. Wait a minute. I thought Babylon fell back in Jeremiah, Isaiah's time. I thought that prophecy was already fulfilled. We see in here, in years to come, which we ain't even made it there yet, the angel saying, uh, great, the Babylon, the greatest fallen is fallen. It's become the inhabitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird for all nations. Every last one of them have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven and Elohim hath remembered her iniquities. Come out, be separate. Ephesians 5, 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but whether reprove them. That word reprove means expose. Yes. Do not have fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So we cannot be joined to darkness if we're supposed to be exposing darkness. I can't be the founder, CEO, president, have all my stock money in a company that I'm trying to expose and break down. 
I cannot be strongly attached to anything that I'm trying to destroy and expose. If our job is to hasten the return of Elohim and reprove darkness and unclean stuff to separate, we cannot be attached. Got to be set apart. How do we prepare? You have to be watchful. Have to be holy. On to the next one. Now we talked about preparing. Why do we prepare? How do we prepare? Now let's talk about producing. In order to produce, number one, you have to be a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1. I'll read it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We all know this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of Elohim, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, holy and acceptable unto Elohim, which is your reasonable service. The bare minimum. What what does a sacrifice produce? Let's go to Genesis. All the way back to the bare sheet in the beginning, because I'm a believer in first mentions. So if it's mentioned first in Genesis, and that's how we need to be doing it. What's a, what is a sacrifice? What is a sacrifice supposed to be producing? Genesis 8, 20 through 21. Hallelujah when you get there. Genesis 8, 20 to 21 says, <clears throat> I almost read the wrong thing. And Noah built an altar unto Yah and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And Yah smelled a sweet savor. And Yah said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything living as I have done. So what does a sacrifice produce? A good sacrifice should produce a pleasing smell to Yah. A good sacrifice ought to produce a good, pleasing aroma to Yah. It's Noah's sacrifice with his kids and stuff. What you smell like? <laughs> what smells should we produce? Look at 2 Corinthians 2, 15 through 16. It's on the screen for you. You can turn there if you want to. But it says, for Elohim, we are the aroma of the Messiah, being among those being saved and among those being lost. To the latter, those being lost, are the smell of death, leading only to more death. But the, but the former, those who are being saved, are the sweet smell of life leading to more life who is equal to such a task. Philippians 4.18 I have been more than paid in full. I have, uh, I have been filled since I have received from Ephirotitis the gift you sent. They are a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, one that pleases Elohim well. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. So imitate Elohim as dear children and live a life of love. Just also the Messiah loved us. Indeed, 
on our behalf, gave himself up as an offering, as a slaughtered sacrifice to Elohim with a pleasing fragrance. So to be a living sacrifice in order to produce, we ought to be producing a sweet aroma, a good smell to Yah. To produce, you must be a living sacrifice. Because when they sacrificed the clean animals in the temple, the smoke went up. Yah sitting on his heavenly throne and he's he's smelling. He's taking in the aroma and it smells good to him. So he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk with him. As we read in, in, in Deuteronomy today, I'm going to walk in the midst of the camp with him. I'm going to be with him because they smell good. So our daily lives, yeah. I ain't going to go all the way back to the beginning, but our daily lives, our words, our actions, our thoughts, what they smell like to the most high. When he comes to your house and the smoke's coming out of your chimney, what's he smelling? When you have conversations, what's it smell like? When you have thoughts, what they smell like? Your actions, what are they smelling like to him? Are they a pleasing fragrance to where he wants to come in and dwell with you? Because it smells good. Yeah. You ever been walking around your neighborhood, somebody just having to be barbecuing or cooking? You're like, golly, it smells good. What they doing? You want to be nosy. Like, what they doing over there? It smells so good. Is Elohim like that to you? Or... Does it smell horrible to him? Is it a stench and where he wants to back up and not dwell at all? Not want nothing to do with you. You ever smell the smell with somebody knew, you knew they ain't know what they was doing in the kitchen? When I was a kid, when I was a kid, my family, yes, during Christmas, oh my God, they used to make chitlins. They probably still do. I'll celebrate Christmas no more. I ain't going to go over there, so I don't know. They, I'm, I'm quite sure they still do. The smell. I used to be at my auntie's house. I remember one time, just the smell alone made me throw up. I go to the bathroom and throw up. It stank so bad. So bad. So is your smell a pleasing fragrance? Or, man, I want to come up in this kitchen and join in with you? Yeah. Or is it a smell that makes you want to vomit and throw up? And I don't want to be nowhere around. You and me have to make that choice. You control your actions. I control my actions. I control my thoughts. I control my speech. And if I am pressing in to receive the Holy Spirit, my speech is guided by something that's set apart and separate from this world. So to produce, not only are we be a living sacrifice, uh, but we also have to produce Good fruit, not just fruit, good fruit. What kind of fruit are you? It is not a question of if you are producing fruit. We all produce some kind of fruit. The question is, is your fruit edible or is it rotten? Let's look at some rotten fruit. You all turn to Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. It says, now, are you there? Dare say hallelujah. hallelujah. All right. 
Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, uh, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, um, uh, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such of the like of which I tell you before I have also told you in past time that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, which we know the kingdom of God lives where? So the kingdom of God is synonymous with the Holy Spirit. Sexual immorality. I put a different version up here. So just to make them plain, sometimes the King Vane version is a little bit too poetic for me. <laughs> Sexual immorality, impurity and indecency, involvement with the occult, with the occult and drugs, feuding, fighting, becoming jealous and angry. Self-ambition, factionalism, try to make it plain, you're cliquish or you're uh, partisan. Where do we hear that word from? Oh, well, I just, when voting season comes, I just vote. I don't, I don't care what it is. I just vote down the line Republican. I don't, I don't, I don't care if Trump is, is not fit. He's a Republican. I'm voting for him. I don't care if Joe Biden's not fit. He's a Democrat. I'm voting for him. What, what did the Democrats say? That's what I'm going to do. What do Republicans say? That's what I'm going to do. Partisan. So if you so attached to one party, to one thing, one agenda that's contrary to this, you don't get the kingdom of God. So we look at things and this nation makes it seem so just simple or so uh, unharmful. Whoever thought that signing up to be a Democrat or signing up to be a Republican will cost you the kingdom of Elohim. Because we're not supposed to be for the governments of this world, but for the government of his world. Intrigue, envy, drunkenness, kids in the room. So y'all know what that is. Warning those who produce these fruits will not receive warning. Those who produce these fruits will not receive the kingdom of Elohim, the Holy Spirit. Let's look at some good fruit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And uh, against such, there is no law. Galatians 5, 24 through 25. Moreover, these those who belong to Messiah Yeshua have put their old nature to death. The bad fruit, this stuff. We don't do it no more. Put it to death on the stake along with his passions and desires. Since it is through the spirit that we have life, this stuff, it is also through the spirit that we order our lives day by day. Does that sound familiar? In every aspect of your life, be holy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control to make it more plain. It says there's no law against this, meaning nothing in the Torah stands against such things. There is no prohibition for this stuff. There's a laundry list of prohibitions against all this stuff in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Judges, and we look at all the kings, did all this stuff, and they were destroyed. We look at all the bad prophets and the preachers who said that Yah said that did not counsel with me and Jeremiah. They were doing all this stuff. Go ahead. 
They got destroyed. But the few righteous preachers, the few righteous prophets, the few righteous judges, his friends, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did these things. Because in the Torah, nothing stands against it. So when Yahshua came, he came to destroy these things, including that one. I think that has to be said in this country. He came to destroy that one, too. And he came to show us how to do these things in a more better way. Yes, I said more better. All right. It was written a four time. So we always say. It was written four times. It was written for our? All right. Deuteronomy 20. Um, Jeremiah, can you give me Deuteronomy 20, 19 through 20, please, sir? Hallelujah, whenever you get there. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. Devarim 1920. Mm-hmm. When you shall besiege a city a long time and make in making war against it to take it, you shall not destroy the trees, therefore, by forcing an axe against them. You shall you for you may eat of them, and you shall not cut them down from the for the trees of for the tree of the field is a man's life, to employ them in the siege. Only the trees which you know that they they be not trees of meat. They be not what? Trees of meat. Okay. You shall destroy them and cut them down. You should do what to them? Destroy them and cut them down. Okay. And you shall build bulwarks against the city and make war with, it, with you until it, it be subdued. So... There's a law that says when you go to war, yeah. you go into a city, you see some trees, don't cut them down. They're like unto a man's life. Why? Because there's fruit on those trees. I can eat them. I can be refreshed. They're producing something. But the trees that are not producing anything, right. they're dead. That's they're barren. Right. That's right. Cut them jokers down. Right. Make yourself a fence so that when the war comes, you can use it for something to win the war. Yeah. Elohim gets use out of you one way or another. If you're producing fruit, it leads to life. If you're not producing fruit, you chop down and use for something else. Elohim gets use out of you one way or another. Choose this day. If it will be in your building up life or you're cutting down death. Wow. Do you want to stay rooted? Yes. Continue to produce. Hallelujah. Do you want to be cut down? Stop producing. Yeah. So not only are we supposed to prepare, Hallelujah. not only are we supposed to produce, but we are supposed to pursue. Yes. We are really close to crazy. We need to pursue because just producing alone and preparing alone. First of all, you can prepare all day long, but that don't mean you're producing. I prepared my garden for a long time before I put some seeds in it. But then once you put the seeds in it, you hope those seeds are good so that they can produce. 
But then after I produce the seeds, I got to go out there and get the harvest. I got to go pursue. So pursue. First thing in pursue, we need to turn or return to Elohim, to Shuvah. So in the time between trumpets and um, Yom Kippur, that Sabbath in between those two, it's a traditional holiday, a small feast called Shuvah. So on that Sabbath, all the observant Jews will get up on their podiums or in their synagogues and their temples, and they will even get on loudspeakers, some of them, and read all the scriptures, um, all the scriptures in Torah that talk about returning. I'm sure they probably read a lot of Isaiah and a lot of Jeremiah and all those things. Return, 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 come back, return, return, return. They're going to read all those scriptures because they're employing the people that can hear to Shuva, to turn, to return to Elohim. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, 27 through 31. It's up on the screen for you. <clears throat> and the Lord shall scatter you among the nations and he shall and you shall be a few in number among the heathen whither the Lord shall lead you. And there ye shall serve gods, the work of man's hands, wood, stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. See, it's okay to serve these false gods because even when you produce a stank stench, they can't smell you anyway. Right. So you can live any kind of life you want to, uh -oh. which is why folks love to worship false gods because they can't see what you're doing. They can't hear what you're doing. They don't ask for a sacrifice because they can't eat and they don't care what you're smelling like. That's why it's easy to sit in a church pew every Sunday and live a stank life. Yeah. That's why it's easy to sit in the synagogue and live a stank life. That's why it's easy to sit in the mosque and live a stank life. They're not, they're not offering anything nor they're requiring anything from you. He said, these are the gods you're going to serve. But if from thence thou seek, from, 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 the, from the pew you at, if thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, with, uh, thou shalt find him. Yeah. Ask, knock, seek. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. When thou art in tribulation, all these things are upon thee, even in the latter days. That's interesting. Even in the latter days, Moses is talking about the end times. If thou turn Shuva to the Lord thy God and shalt be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swore unto them. So even in 2020, if you Shuva, you get that. But you have to reject that. And not only do we have to reject it every single day, we have to let our family members know what that is, what your friends know what that is, what your loved ones know what that is, so they do not get destroyed, but receive the covenant. Pursue. Shuva. Turn or return to Elohim. We're almost done. We need to meditate on Torah. Meditate on Torah. Psalms 1, 1 through 4. Again, it's on the screen. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, yeah. separate, blameless, holy. Yeah. It was even in David's time. Nor standeth in the way of sinners, separate, holy. Nor sitteth in the seat of scornful, separate, blameless, holy. But his delight is the law of the Lord, and in his law doeth he meditate day and night. 
And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. But his delight, the one who was a blessed man or woman, is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doeth he meditate day and night. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff with the wind driveth away. Which is why in even our pursuit, we have to be holy, we have to be set apart, we have to be blameless, because we want to be the man who delights in the law of the Lord, not the one who is driven away like the chaff. To pursue, turn, Elohim or Shuvah, meditate on Torah, seek more of Elohim. You got to seek more of him. Baruch, the right hand man of Yahu, the prophet. 4, 26 through 29, it's also on the screen for you. My delicate ones have gone rough ways and were taken away as a flock caught of the enemies. Be of good comfort, O my children, and cry unto God, for ye shall be remembered of him that brought these things, that brought these things upon you. What things? They're in 70 years of captivity for being foolish in Babylon. For as it was your mind to go astray from God, so being returned, Shuva, seek him ten times more. For he that hath brought these plagues upon you shall bring you everlasting joy with your salvation. How do I get everlasting joy with salvation? Whatever I was doing before I came into this way, whatever kind of way I was trying to seek him, it didn't work. It wasn't enough. He said, whatever you did before you sinned, now you came back, do it 10 times more. Yes, life is hard. Spouses get on your nerves. Kid get on your nerves. Job get on your nerves. I don't have time to get in the scriptures the way I want to. I can't wake up at 5.30 in the morning. I can't stay up till 9 o'clock at night. I'm busy at 12 noon. Seek him 10 times more. Whatever you have to do to get in, whatever you have to do to press in, do it and that much more. Pursue. Why? Because you will be tested. So how do we get ready for this test? We just learned that we ought to prepare, we ought to produce, we ought to pursue. So in all of that, I call on heaven and earth to witnesses against you and me today. I have presented you with life and death, blessings and a curse. Therefore, choose life so that you will live and your descendants loving your Adonai, your God, paying attention to what he says and clinging to him. For that is the purpose of your life. On this depends the length of time you will live in the land. Adonai swore he would give to your ancestors, Abraham, Yisak, and Yaakov. Loving Adonai, your God, paying attention to what he says, clinging to him, for that is the purpose of your life. Father, we thank you and we praise you, for you are good and your mercy endures forever. Father, we are close to crazy. 
You have people pushing in in a great deal, trying to uh, bring forth and usher a brand new, evil, wicked, perverse, vile age. But you have your set apart ones who are diligent in trying to seek you, trying to pursue you, trying to produce for you. We're trying to prepare for you. We're trying to hasten your coming. So, Father, I pray that you look upon us. I pray that you give us the strength within our temptation to seek the desires of your spirit and not the desires of our flesh. Father, I pray now that you look upon us and see us. And when you see us, do not forget the covenant, the promise that you promised to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Father, I pray that you be our refuge. That in the time of trouble and calamity, in the time where the laws and the statutes and the witness of your son, Yahshua HaMashiach, will become offensive, that we be hidden in your glory. But even if we are exposed, Father, I pray that you give us peace within our torment. I thank you and I praise you that you watch over every soul in this room, Father, and get us ready as soldiers for what's about to come. We thank you and we praise you for all things. In Yeshua HaMashiach's mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to Restoring the Branches Ministries. Our website is www.restoringthebranches.org. We are also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also email us at restoringthebranches at gmail.com. Shalom.